Good evening. Hope you're all doing well. Today we are learning Maseches Kesubo Staf Samachtes. Baruch Hashem, my next scheduled flight is in January. I can assure you that won't last, but for now it is the case. Probably not true for Mark Halpert, who travels quite a bit. Uh, and right now we've been learning a sugya on the last 15 lines of Samaches Mabez. We were discussing the sugya of whether or not a parnasa is similar to a, a tnaik suba. Is a dowry halachically similar to the tnaik suba, to things that are conditions within a suba? And the Gemara concluded that there are differences between the two. And on the top of Samach Tesem Aleph, we actually continue this sugya in the following way. Talalei Rav Rebi Bene Chite. Rav was a Talmud of Rebi. Rebi wrote the Mishnais. Rav, who's a Talmud Rebbe, he wrote a letter to, to Rabbi Yehuda Nasi, and Benechite, between the lines, he added in the following Shiloh. That's how Rashi explains Tosu slightly differently based on the Rabbeinu Hanano. And the top line says the Shiloh that Rav wrote on the, in the margins of the letter was Ha'achen Abdu Mahu. If the brothers made a Shibud of uh, the father's properties, so then what happens with the dowry? Can she collect the dowry from items that were that are now in Shibud. So the Gemara says, When Rebbe was opening his mail that day, Rebchia was sitting there. And then they saw Rav Shiloh. Omar Leh, Rebchia says back to Rav, I don't understand Rav's, Rebchia says back to Rebbe, I don't understand Rav's question. Was it Machro or Mishkino? Were we talking about a case where the brothers sold the father's properties? So they're now they're Lekuchos. Are, are we allowed to take dowry from the Lekuchos? Or no, was the Shiloh a little different? The Omishkino, Mashkino, was it that they use them as collateral, just put it down, uh, you know, against a loan, whatever the case may be? So Amar Le, Rebbe says back to Rebchia, that question's ridiculous. My nafkamina, there should be no difference between whether or not the properties of the father were sold by the son or given over as a collateral. After all, whether or not the properties were sold or put in as a collateral, we, we would allow a woman to collect her dowry from those properties. However, we are not allowed to give a woman uh, her basic mizonos from lukuchos, from properties that have been sold. But the Gemara was still bothered a little bit that Rav, when he wrote the Shiloh, didn't distinguish between Mashkeno and Machro, whether or not the properties of the father were sold or whether or not they were used as collateral. So the Gemara questions that. Samachtes Aleph, five lines down. Rav, when Rav wrote the letter, why didn't he distinguish? If we're saying that the brothers sold the property of the father, and the question of Rav, when he wrote his letter to Revi, was whether or not a woman could collect her dowry from properties that were sold, then just write that. Then just write. And if really Rob was asking about a case where the brothers gave over the properties that they got from their father as a collateral, then then Rob should have asked his Shiloh explicitly, why are you leaving this to chance? What? Let's, let's say this question a little better. If Ravchia was confused by what Rav meant, then Rav should have done a better job of articulating his question. And anyone who's anywhere remotely close to giving advice to people ever will know that the way people ask the questions is not only the question itself, it's also evidence of their state of mind. Why didn't Rav detail exactly what his question was? And the Gemara responds eight lines down <clears throat> on Samech Tesem Aleph, Rav Tarvaihu Kamibayale. Really, Rav's intention was to ask about both uh, about both the case where the brothers sold the father's property and where the brothers potentially gave over the father's property as a mashko. So then in code, 
Uh, that's what we just learned. Here's what Rav is really saying. Rav wants to know if the brothers take the father's property and they do one of two things. They either sell it to someone else or they give it up as collateral. And now the question is, can the sisters go claim from the Lekuchos or claim from the person holding the mashkon that they really deserve their dowry? Is that reasonable or not? Now, what does Rav say? Rav really tarvaihu kamibayale. And Visavar, he argued the following thing. I can't detail out my question as machro or as uh, as mashkeno because iksivna le machru. If I would have written the shaila to Rebbe saying machru that the brothers sold the father's property, then hanicha I would have been able to extrapolate an answer from Rebbe ishalachli demotzin. I would have been able to understand Rebbe in both cases had he written back that yes we are able to allow the woman to be motzi, to take money out of the sold property, because then kol shekein mashkeno, because if it's true by the case of machru, it's all, all the more so true by the case of mashkeno. But ishalach li'ein motzin, had the shaila been written to Rebbe only in a case of machru, and had he answered ein motzin, that we're not allowed to give her money from a sold property, so then I would have been very confused because akati mashkeno kamibayli. I would have then been unclear about the case of where the father's properties were given over as a mashkon. So therefore, I couldn't only write the case of Mahru. And Iksivna le Mashkino, had, had it been that when I asked my Shaila, the Shaila was only about where the sons of the father gave over the property as a mashkon, and therefore we want to know from that case whether or not the sisters are able to take money from that for their dowry. Had it been that in that case, that my Shaila was about a mashkon, that then... If Rebbe would have answered Ein Motzin, then all the more so Kol Shekein Machro, which is a more complete sale, of course, that wouldn't be allowed. But had I written the Shaila that way about Mach, about Mashkenu, Ishalach Le Motzin, had it been that Rebbe responded that yes, Motzin, that a woman is allowed to tap into the Lakuchos there and get paid, Akati Machru Kami Baili, I still wouldn't have known the answer. And therefore, um, what I did, says Rav, is Echtov Lei, I wrote in the letter Shivdu that the properties were simply given as a shibud one way or another. So now we have a little bit of clarity that Rav sent a Shaila to Rebbe and Rav Chia didn't understand right here. Rav Chia didn't understand the Shaila. <coughs> and the Gemara debates why Rav what didn't over detail his question and Rav gives a very clear answer. And Rav gives a very clear answer. Fine. All of that is part one of this sugya of the letter. Now, it says the Gemara, about a quarter of the way down, Samach Testament Aleph, the Gemara says, He says, no, no matter what, whether or not, whether or not the brothers sold the properties in full, or they only put up the properties as a collateral, the halacha is ein motzin, that a sister is not allowed to go back to the lakuchos or to the one who's holding on to the mashkon and collect for her dowry. But the Gemara is very, very bothered by this because Rebbe gave a clear psak on it at the top of the page. Rebbe said on the fourth, fifth line of the page here that either way, uh, let's just look at his line. He says, either way, he says, So he says that when it comes to a dowry, we do allow a woman to extract from these properties. So how could Rav Yochanan say that by Parnasa ein motzin? And that's not the way Rebbe understood. So the Gemara asks, hold on one second. Rebbe Yochanan is the reason why Rebbe Yochanan went against Rebbe because Lo Rebbe because at this point in Jewish history Rebbe Yochanan had never learned the brisa that we have laid out in front of us that Rebbe says that when a property 
is given as a mashkon or sold, the sister is allowed to take her dowry from those properties. And he just never heard of Rebbe Shita. But had Rebbe Yochanan heard of Rebbe Yochanan Shita, have a mekabale. Oh, Dilma, or perhaps Shmiele, Rebbe Yochanan did, in fact, hear the Shita of Rebbe, but he doesn't accept the Shita of Rebbe. So says the Gemara's follows, third of the way down, 10 lines or so before the wide lines, Toshma. Let's bring an answer to Itmar. We have a statement from the Amorayim. A man dies, and he has two daughters and one son. The oldest daughter gets married, and she takes 10%, which is her dowry, as we have learned. So let's say the man had a thousand zuz uh, to his name. She takes a hundred zuz, and that is her dowry. And then, the second sister doesn't yet get married by the time the brother dies. Remember, two girls and one boy. Oldest sister, let's call her Rachel. Rachel gets married. Uh, Leah does not yet get married. And then the, the son, Yehuda, dies. So then the Gemara says, once the son dies, then all the rules change. Because, and in that case, the property, the remaining 900 zoos is split equally among the sisters. So that means that of the 900 zoos, 450 goes to the older sister who already got 100. She'll total 550. And then the remaining sister, Leah, will get the 450, half of 900. All is well and good. That should be the case. Amar of Yochanan, in such a case, what did Rav Yochanan say? Shnia vitra. What Rav Yochanan says is as follows, is that when the second daughter gets married, she does not get a dowry because she got 450 zuz, even though it wasn't a dowry and it was a Yerusha. We're going to discuss whether or not it was a Yerusha later today. But because she got her 450 already, so the din is that she is mevateres. And Amr of Chanina, hang on one second. Gdola mizu, it's even greater than that, that uh, the second sister doesn't get anything. Mizusha amru motzin leparnasa, vein motzin lemizonos, according to the one who says that we do give a woman money for her parnasa, but not for mizonos, how can you even say Shniavitra that the second sister that Leah wouldn't even get her, uh, she wouldn't even get her dowry? The Imisa, if you want to say that that's the case, then Nameley Man Amra. Had it been that Rav Yochanan had never heard of the Brisa of Rebbe, when he hears Rebbe Chanina quoted here, then he should have said, wait, wh where did you get that from? Because I paskin differently than you. And he didn't ask that question. And therefore, it must be that Rav Yochanan did know about Rebbe, and he fundamentally disagrees. <laughs> oh, so that's a possibility. Says the Gemara, no, two lines from the wide lines, halfway down on Samach Testament Aleph, says the Gemara, not true. The Dilma Olam Lo Really, maybe Rav Yochanan never heard of the Shita of Rebbe that we do give from these properties to a woman who needs a dowry. He never heard of it, and he really would have accepted the Shita of Rebbe. Really fundamentally, it may be that Rav Yochanan agrees that under other circumstances that this woman would be able to collect from properties that the brothers incorrectly sold or put up for collateral. But here it's different. The shiny hasam, in the case that we just said where the father died and the remaining 900 zuz was split in half between Rachel and Leah, that's different. The Ikarav Chabesa, because she's already getting money from the family. She's already getting spoiled. She's already getting a Yerusha. So because she's already getting a Yerusha, we're not going to double dip for her and allow her to take 
uh, her what would have been 10% off of the 900, her 90 shekel, her 90 zuz dowry. We don't allow her to do that. I don't understand. You're saying she got money from elsewhere so that she shouldn't get she shouldn't get her dowry. What does one thing have to do with the other? Who cares that she got money because her father died? She's still getting married. She should be able to get a separate line item from her father that's called a dowry. Why are you saying that just because she got a Yerusha from her father, that therefore she doesn't deserve a dowry? Those are two different things. One's Yerusha, one's dowry. Why are we? Why would you say that she shouldn't get her dowry? It says the Gemara, <clears throat> if it's true, that because of Rav Chabesa, because she profited, you know, half of the Arusha money, she therefore shouldn't get her dowry, says the Gemara. What if let's say a woman finds a huge diamond. So she already has profits and therefore she doesn't get her dowry. So she finds a Metziya She made money off of her father's estate. We would say that just because she found money elsewhere, she doesn't get her dowry. That doesn't make any sense. A woman who's getting married should be able to get dowry money from her father to the tune of seven of 10%. So you're saying if she finds a diamond, that makes no sense. Says the Gemara, Amar Leh, no. Finding something on the street is not the same thing as getting a Yerusha. Amar Leh, second wide line. Ana Ravach Besa Mehani Mehani I'm talking about when is it that we say that the dowry is dissolved for the second sister? The dowry is dissolved for the second sister when she gets a Yerusha because she already got a large chunk of change when the father died in the form of a Yerusha, which was way larger than the dowry. So therefore, the Gemara uh, keeps this answer. The Gemara says two-thirds of the way down, three lines into the wide lines. Omar Amemar, Bas Yoreshes Havya. When we look at a dowry, we halachically treat it like a Yerusha. That's what the Gemara says. Now think about that. We have to give a parameter to the type of payment of, you know, like when you... Um, for people who do accounts receivables, so or or any type of uh, any type of budgeting, you do your taxes. Where did you spend your thirty seven dollars uh, on that website? Like, is that going to be in the IT department? Like, what is that? What did you pay for? So, like Mar saying over here, when we give a line item of a dowry, what is the overall genre category of that money's expenditure? So, Amemar says on the third line, it's basio reshesimhavia, similar to a woman who gets a yerusha. Okay, you're comparing the you're comparing the um the dowry to a to a Yerusha. Ilu says the Gemara, If I wanted to just if the brothers just wanted to pay off the sister with random zuz, not um not not actual dowry money, would it be that they're not able to do that just like by a Yerusha? That's correct. Because we said that the that the uh that the Isor Nechasim, uh, that the dowry is similar to a Yerusha. And the Gemara asks as well, let's say we wanted to, to uh, uh, give her one piece of land, which you're not allowed to do as a Yerusha. She gets to pick the land. So then they couldn't do that as a as a form of avoiding paying her Yerusha, says the Gemara. That's absolutely correct. So that was the sheet of Amemar, is that we look at a dowry as being similar to a Yerusha. However, Ravashi Omar, no. We view the dowry as a bas bailas chov, that it's as if the father owes money, it's different than a Yerusha, it's as if the father owes money to his daughter, very different genre of money. 
And says the Gemara, really, even a Maymar backtracked his initial shita. A Maymar, who we just learned, tried to assume and assert that the concept of a dowry is similar to a Yerusha. Even he agrees to Ravashi that really the Isor Nesachim, really the dowry is more similar to a Baschov. Where do we see this from? Says the Gemara, this person said, this Amora said, I was standing in front of Amemar, and there was a woman who came into Bezdin to have us kaboya isor nesachim. And she was she went into Bezdin and said, I'm getting married, and Amemar, you're the Dayan, I need you to give me my isor nesachim from my father's estate. And I watched what happened. This is again. Uh, this is Rav Minyumi Bered Rav Nichumi, who was watching this interaction with Amemar and this woman who was requesting money for her dowry. That had it been that really we tried to pay off this money with Zuz, we, we, with Zuzim, if the brothers tried to pay her off, it does work. Where did we see this from? Because he heard that the brothers of, of this woman actually said, if we had any extra cash, we would have paid you off with money. And the Ishtik, Amemar said nothing. Now, had it been that Amemar said that a dowry is similar to a Yerusha, he would never have sat silently because you can't pay off a woman for her Yerusha unless it's with the actual Yerusha money. If she's owed money as a Balchov, we don't care where the money comes from as a Balchov. So this Chakira as to whether or not the money for a dowry is more similar to the category of Yerusha versus the category of a Balchov, that's the Chakira of the Gemara. And the Gemara concludes with clarity that we hold that a dowry really is in the category of a Balchov and not in the category of a Yerusha. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Okay, the Gemara says that we now have a conclusion. <laughs> now that we know that a dowry is really the line item that it is in the in the in the annual statement of dowry is in the category of a balchov. It's a simple chiyuv that the father has to his daughter. So then, when the father dies, is it da'aba or da'achi? Whose burden is it? Does it come from the father's estate or does it come from the brother's portion from the father's estate? Asks the Gemara, what is the difference between the two of saying that it's an obligation for the father or the brother? So the Gemara says it's a very big difference. And we're not going to get into this. There's a 15-line Rashi that starts one-third of the way down, and I'll just be touching on the one practical point from that Rashi, but really... In the learning world, this is the time we would open another Masechta, learn a whole suya, and then come back here. Halavai, we should have time to do things like that in the future. We don't now. <clears throat> so it says the Gemara, the main Afkamina, halfway through the wide lines, says the Gemara, the Nafkamina, the Megba, the is that when she collects from a brother, the halacha is she's allowed to take from Bainanis, from medium quality uh, types of properties, and Shalobishvua. But if she's collecting money from her father, that's from Viziburis, from, from poor quality properties, but Bishvua. So my, which one is it? Do we say that this, um, that this financial burden of the uh, dowry, which is similar to a Balchob, do we say that she's collecting from the father or from the brother? <clears throat> Says the Gemara, let's see. Tashma, we have a Brisa. Oh, it's actually not a Brisa. Because uh, Ravina was an Amora. Tashma, we have an answer. De Ravina, Agbe, Librate de Ravashi, 
And in a particular case, we saw that Ravashi passed in the case where the payment was from a Benunis and without a Shvua. And what does that show us? It shows us that we're not talking about the collection from a father, which means it's a collection from the brothers, because only for a brother do we have a Benunis v'shalo b'shvua. And, uh, and Derav Sama, uh, Berei Derav Ashi, from another son, it was Ziburis Bishua, another part of the sugya. Again, this is a longer sugya, but in short, we see the Raya Brura over here that he paid her from uh, Benanis, from properties that were Benanis, from medium quality properties and without a Shvua. And that is Gematria for it is the brother's obligations to pay. Story time. A letter was sent from one person to another. Uh, when this woman comes before you, he was just kind of foreshadowing a guest that was going to come to Bezdin. Uh, she wants to collect her Isor Nechasim. She wants to collect her dowry. Afilu Even from the Itzrubla. And Itzrubla, Rashi says, uh, let's just look immediately to the right, 15 lines or so from the bottom of the Rashi's Itzrubla, is Moshav Amasarichaim. It's like this large base that is like the platform upon which a mill sits, so a very, very heavy piece of rock, whatever the case may be. And we consider that to be like karka because it's so heavy. Uh, you know, it would be uh, the equivalent of building a cement platform on the ground and then putting a shed on top. So the big cement platform on the bottom, that's like karka. <clears throat> Forget that. We would even be able to pay off her dowry even from Amla Debasi. Amla Debasi is basically rent. And in our world, that would mean if you are an owner of a building and every month you get a rent check from the 15 apartments in your building, you can pay a dowry even from that. Next, another story. Sholach le Rav Anan, le Rav Huna. Rav Anan uh, sent a letter to Rav Huna. Rav Anan was not as big of a Talmud Chacham as Rav Huna. But when Rav Anan wrote his letter, here's what he wrote. Huna, Chavrin, Shalom. Huna, my friend, peace be uh, be upon you. Now, really, it wasn't right because he was sending a letter to someone that's greater. I remember when I was a little kid, my friends were not allowed to refer to my parents by their first names. I was never allowed to call adults by their first names. This guy broke that line. He uh, he called someone greater than him by the first name. Hey, what's going on? You can't speak that way to a chashav rub. That's not right. That's what he did. Oh, Huna, Chavrin, Shalom, Huna, my friend. Uh, you should have peace. So then, Kiasya, what did, what did he write to, to Huna? What did Rav Anan write to Huna? So he wrote, Kiasya Kamach, when this woman comes before you, Agba Isra Nichse. She wants to collect her dowry. So then, <clears throat> here's what happened. Habayasi Rav Sheshes Kame. Rav Sheshes was sitting in front of Huna when he opened this letter. Omar Le, um, Huna said to Rav Sheshes, What? <laughs> Did I skip a line? Sorry, what? Yeah, that's correct. It's true. His name is Rafuna. I did it from the story. All right, let's go back. Thank you. And he sent a little bit of a disparaging lack of covered uh, text message that said, And when it, when that letter showed up, he said that in the letter that, uh, and when that letter was opened, in front of Rav Huna. Rav Huna says to Rav Sheshes, Zil, 
Emale, I want you to go tell him something, but listen to me, says Rav Huna to Rav Sheshes. I will put anyone into Cherem, Mandelo Amarle, who doesn't say exactly what I want to be said. I have a little uh, slap upside the head for Rav Anon. What is it? Anon Anon, calling him a little double, right? You called me Huna once, I'm calling you Anon twice. A little Anon Anon. How would you like me to pay her? Do you want me to pay her out of the Mikarka? You want me to pay them out of the, the fixed properties or do you want me to pay them out of the Metaltalun? Which is basically the ABCs that we don't pay dowries from Metaltalun. So he's kind of joking around with him like, oh, do you want me to do something that's completely ridiculous that we all know about? Meaning you're not a Talmud Chacham. I'm, uh, I'm pushing back on you. And as well, I have another question for you, says Rav Huna to Rav Sheshes to tell uh, who is the one who is who is sitting at the head of the particular table we don't yet know what this means end of comment so Hazal Rav Sheshes, the comment to Rav Anan. he is the unfortunate messenger and he has to go back to Rav Anan and he has to share these words lest, uh, lest Rav Huna put him into Cherem and Omar Leh he did give the, the polite caveat he says listen Mar Raba, your teacher is Raba. Verafuna, Rabbi de Raba. And Rafuna is the rabbi of your rabbi. Vishamuti Shamislan. And I was told that if I will be put into Khairam, I was told I'll be put into Khairam if I don't convey the following message to you. Shamute man de lo amarle. If I don't say what Rav Sheshes, what Rafuna wants me to tell you. If not for the threat of having been put into shamta, into excommunication, I would never say what I'm about to say, but here goes because I will be in cherem if I don't say it. Here is what Rav Huna wanted me to tell you. And you can like kind of feel the awkwardness a little bit like, uh, un, 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 un. it's like awkward, un, 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 un. Uh, I'm not supposed to be calling you that, but I had to do it. Un, 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 un. Yeah, a little bit like, you <laughs> which one of these would you like to pay her from? And also uh, he told me to, t- <laughs> to tell you, who's sitting at the head of this kind of table? So Rav Anan was a little torn. He didn't. He didn't totally understand. So Azal Rav Anan lekame de Marukva, and he went over to Marukva and said, "Amar lechazi mar hechi shalach li Rav Huna Anan Anan." He sent me this uh, this comment through Rav Sheshes. It was inappropriate. He called me Anan Anan. Not only that, Vod he wrote this strange comment of Marzicha the shalach li lo yadana myni. What was he talking about with the Marzicha table? What is going on there? Says the Gemara, Amar li Amali easy. I'd like you to please t- tell me top of Samach Testament base. <laughs> what exactly was your initial dialogue with him that you got this strange retort from Rapuna? So the Gemara says, Amar Rav Anan gave him the whole So this is what happened. I said, I said that he was Chavrin. I said, Huna Chavrin Shalom. So Amar you who don't even know what the word marzicha means. You, you don't even know what a marzicha is. And you have the audacity to go over to that Rav and call him Huna without calling him Rav Huna? That's crazy. You're a Talmud. He's a, the Rebbe of your Rebbe. It's a chutzpah. You deserve the slap, up, the slap upside the head for sure. So fine, that was the end of that part of the story, but we still don't know what a marzicha table is. It says the Gemara, my marzicha, says the Gemara, avel. It's talking about an avel. 
And apparently, when Rav Huna threw this back to Rav Anan, he knew that Rav Anan wouldn't know what it was. How? I don't know. Again, with these are cultural colloquialisms. We don't know what was going on there, but that's what the Gemara says. How do we know that the word Marzicha references an Avel? Fine. How do we know that an Avel sits at the head of the table, which was what Rav Sheshes had to tell uh, Rav Anan by way of uh, Rav Huna, too many names here. Shneemar, as the Gemara says, Evchar Darkam ve'eshev Rosh, ve'eshkon kemelach begdudka asher abelim yinachem. Says the Gemara, yinachem, the one sitting at the table, yinachem, he should give comfort. Yinachem acherem, that the language implies if yinachem that he's giving comfort to others. Mashma, Amar Rav Nachman, you're right. Amar Rav Nachman bar Yitzchak, the word is actually yinucham. Uh, this is where grammar comes in. This is sometimes you have to know how to correct the Balkore. If somebody reads this Pasuk Yenachem, that means he will comfort others. If if, if he says Yenucham, it means he should get comforted by others. So sometimes there are very gentle errors that a person who doesn't know Diktuk, like all of us, me too, the person makes a gentle error as a as a Balkore, and it changes the meaning of the word. A Mapike changes the meaning of the word. So uh, it's very hard. And then some people's Mapikes are more clear than others. What's the halachic standard? It's not simple. Not simple. Okay. Um, he says that the source of this is from another place. Visar says the Gemara. Visar mirzach suruchim. What does this mean? Mar vizach suruchim. The one who is bitter, the one who is besieged, he is the one who will become the officer of the sour ones. A reference to an avel. And now the Gemara just gives a final statement. Amar Rava Hilchasa. The halacha is when it comes to paying a dowry, it is only mimikar ka'e. It is only from immovable properties, properties that have a lien on them below mimital And this is true. Bein lemizone, bein leksuba, bein leparnasa. And all three categories that we've discussed about a person's obligation to feed his family, about a ksuba, and about a parnasa, about a dowry. <clears throat> Don't worry, it only gets harder from here. The next mission is start a third of the way down on Samach Testament base. Hamash Lish Maus Labito, a person who is using a third party, that's the, the Mashalish or the Mashlish, who's using a third party to pay his daughter. So he says to a man, please go give my daughter $500. And then when he walks over to her, she says, you can give, just give it to my husband. Is that allowed? Yes or no? So the Mishnah says, He has to do what he was told. He'll say to that woman, that's great, you trust your husband, I'm glad that there's Shalom Bayis, I'm not allowed to give the money to anybody else, I have to give the money only to you. Rabbi Yossi argues, If had it been a field and she wanted to sell it, it's as if she had already sold it, which basically is the Gemara's way of saying, she can do with, with her money whatever she wants. And even though you have yet to give it to her, had you given it to her a second later, then it would have belonged to, she could have done whatever she wants. So we should allow you to give it. So he says that that's fine. When is it that we would say this? Big dola. That's only if the wife was a gdola. She was already bas mitzvah. <laughs> when it comes to aktana, a girl who is not yet bas mitzvah, ain maisek tana klum. And the Gemara opens, uh, the Gemara opens about eight lines before the wide lines with a brisa that's quite similar to our Mishnah, Tan Rabbanan. If a person sets aside money through a third party for his son-in-law, so Rachel's father is Yaakov, uh, <coughs> well, in, our, in this example, <coughs> and Yaakov sets aside money for Rachel's husband. So then, you can, uh, and he gives him that money. 
The father-in-law gives the money to the son-in-law so he can buy a property for his daughter. Just give, just give it to the husband. We're going to share a bank account. All is well and good. So says this Gemara, this is a machlokas. Shita number one, if they're fully married, she can say that. But had they only been halachically engaged, Rameir says that if they're only engaged, then then the person who's the shlish, the apotropist, the person who's just controlling the funds, he has to do what he was commanded to do, and that is to give the money directly to the daughter only. Rabbi Yossi argues and says, Omer Gedola, if she was a Gedola, doesn't matter. If she's a Gdola, she can do whatever she wants. Kitana, but if she's a Kitana, then So says the Gemara, therefore, that if she is a Kitana, then no matter what, she has no say in the matter. She can't decide that the money can go to her husband. And the Shlish, the Apotropos, has to give the money directly to her. What is the difference between these two cases? These two shitas of Rav Meir and Rav Yossi and this new Bryce and the Gemara. And on the first long line, the Gemara responds, Ilema, if you want to say the difference between these two shitas of Rav Meir and Rav Yossi is Ketana Minani Suni the case that really is a difference is a case of a girl who's a Ketana, but who was fully married. What would the difference be? Rav Meir Savar Harishus Biyada. Rav Meir says that she's a Ketana, but she is married. Therefore, she can choose if the money should go to her husband or not. And then, that he argues that by a Ketana who's married, she is not allowed to do that. She's not allowed to say that the husband can get the money. But that can't be that that's what they're arguing about. They cannot be arguing about the the case of Ketana Minhani Suen, because three lines into the wide lines, Ema Seifa, we already learned this at the latter part of the Brisa. Aval Biktana, at the end of our Mishnah, actually, Aval Biktana, Ein Maisa Ketana Klum. So you can't say that the argument between Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Meir is about a Ketana, because a Ketana is, is, is a nothing. She can't make any of these decisions financially. So it says the Gemara, Haman Ketanila, who would then be the author of our Mishnah? Ilema Rabbi Yossi, Hamid Reisha Shamasmina. Rabbi Yossi already said that in the Reisha, so that line of the Mishnah of Biktana Ein Maisiktana Klum, that can't be him. She has to be a Gedola who's eligible to make the sale. But Ketana Dalav Basvini Hilo. But the Ketana is not able to make the sale. We already knew the Shita of Rabbi from the Resha that a Ketana is not able to make this decision. Ella, the line. <laughs> the line in the Brisa which says that uh, the Maisa Ketana is nothing, Ella Reb Meir, he, if you want to say it's Reb Meir, that can't be. And that really we wanted to read it this way, we can reread the Brisa this way, that really the Apotropos has to give over the money directly to her. How would Reb Meir read this Brisa only mean only if the Ketana was engaged? So it says the Gemara, that's only true big dola, that can't be. It doesn't make any sense. So therefore, we're stuck and we still need to figure out where is the machlokas or what is the machlokas between Rav Meir and Rav Yossi. And the Gemara responds, and we're just going to learn two more lines and stop at the two dots. Ella says the Gemara, the difference between Rav Meir and Rav Yossi is gdola min ha'erusin The difference between these two shitas is a woman who's a gdola, but she's only halachically engaged. And then this apotropis comes over to her and says, I have money to give you from your father. So there, that's where that we would see the machlokas. The Gemara concludes, Itmar, Rav Yehuda Amar Shmuel Amar, sorry, Rav Yehuda 
sorry, Rabbi Yehuda Amar Shmuel says halacha is kereb Yosi, and Rava Amar Rav Nachman says halacha is kereb Meir. So what would the nafkamina be? Is that Rav Meir would be lenient. In a case of a Gedola who's an Arusa, and the apotropist comes over, turns, says, here's money for you. So according to Rav Meir, he'd be mekil and say, she's allowed to say, give the money to the husband. We don't have to go play the whole charade. Just give it straight to the husband. Ma'ashein kein, according to Rav Yosi, he would be strict and say that in such a case, we would not allow her to decide that the money should go to the husband. We'll stop right here, six lines from the bottom of the page on Samach Testament Bays. And tomorrow, Adam Yerush Hashem will pick up with yet a new blot. Wishing you all a beautiful night.